What's going on? What's going on? Two four two. We are, we're back. We're back, and uh, grateful for another wonderful weekend together. For everyone who was in class, for those who were not, uh, we had a, a glorious time walking through the Word. And um, as we continue in Romans chapter three, Romans chapter three, uh, I'm so excited. Uh, Mark uh, Friday did a wonderful job of really laying down uh, some great framework for Romans chapter 3, verse 9 through 20. Uh, if you weren't there, I hate you missed it, but I'm going to give you a recap of what we talked about. Try to do it in the 10-minute, 12-minute span. <laughs> you all know after the first one, we, uh, I was aiming for 12 minutes, but 15 minutes of what we end up getting. But <clears throat> just some wonderful uh, points that he gave us, uh, some things to really consider that um, really sheds some, some great light on what Paul was addressing as he just kind of poured his heart out in Romans chapter 3. Now, to note up to this point, everything has been pretty pretty dark, pretty grave, uh, as, you know, he is, Paul is, is making this, um, he's making the point that, look, every, everyone is, condemned in some way like nobody is safe or nobody can say hey they are exempt from uh, the wrath of God that was being revealed as he said in Romans 1 uh, 18 and 19 against all uh, mankind you know against unrighteousness uh, against uh, those who suppress the truth let me go back to it uh, just to make sure we we have it Locked in. So in Romans chapter one, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. <clears throat> and so because of this, Paul lays out um, some information, the different types of sin, how that uh, has impacted us, uh, causes us to do more sin. And at the end of Romans chapter one, he gives us a catalog of sorts of the type of sinfulness. I mean, just to show the height of the nation, the height of the world in terms of their sinfulness. Um, he just gives us a list. And this this list is just a little catalog. I'm sure there's more he could have added. But you see uh, the thrust of this, especially when he you know goes through things like, you know, being disobedient, being uh, heartless and ruthless and all this kind of stuff. He says that people our world we got so bad that we even became inventors of evil just how bad things got okay inventors of evil and so that was people who were walking in darkness people who had the uh this general revelation of god that uh is revealed through nature and through his power <clears throat> um so for people who, who are you know walking in darkness you're under this judgment. Chapter two, he goes about the people who are moralists. You're under the wrath as well. Even though you're not doing the things that 
the unrighteous folks or people who have not surrendered to Christ uh, are doing in the world. You're doing it. You're thinking those thoughts in your heart. And so we, you know, a couple weeks ago, just talked about, I mean, what does it look like that heart? Um, the, 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 you know, the, the, the elements of the heart, the things we need to be uh, addressing that nobody sees. Nobody sees what's happening in your heart if those don't become actions. But a lot of times people harbor uh, these uh, sinful desires in their heart. Chapter three, no different. Just talking about how, yes, the unrighteous, the moralists, those who say they have the law, everybody is under this judgment. And uh, just this past weekend, we get to this uh, phraseology that is uh, in Romans 3, 9 through 20 about being under sin. And uh, Sorgenfry said that, you know, the failure, you know, being under sin is, is the failure to do something that's good. Uh, it's the condition that we're in. Okay, failing to do what's good, failing to do what is right uh, in the eyes of God, failing at whatever point of failing, whatever degree of failing is that phrase being under sin. And um, and I love what he what he said. He talked about <laughs> we'd like to rank our sins against others um, and use a wonderful illustration uh, just from uh, just his personal um um, kind of work life, uh, being a financial planner. I thought this was great. I'm going to figure out how to use this in the sermon, even though I'm not a financial planner. But uh, he, he says usually when people are, you know, coming into the office and, and they're trying to kind of look at what they have, look at the assets, look at, um, you know, what's going on. Uh, and if they're in, in a dire uh, situation, trying to figure out how they can make up gains or how they can do whatever to try to kind of make sense of the catastrophe in you know that their financial situation may be in or if it's not even a bad situation maybe they're not where they want it to be in their investment in their portfolio or whatever he says usually what happens is that they they they're waiting for him to say hey I mean your, your stuff is, is is bad but you're not as bad as somebody else um Man, your your finances are not as as miserable as some of my other clients is what uh, typically the feeling that most financial planners have when uh, their <clears throat> clients are coming in and they're trying to figure out this path of of uh, wealth management and all this kind of stuff is comparing it to somebody else to ranking it against others and you know essentially what he would have to tell them time and time again is like no. No matter how we try to rank you, if, if your situation is not where you want to be, you're still um, you, you're still suffering. Whatever that penalty is, whatever losses that you would have incurred, it's still there. No matter if you try to rank it up against somebody else. And I think that is uh, so uh, important when we think about how we try to rank our sin or sinfulness to other people, which you know, we, we should never do it, right? Uh, other people are not the standard. You know, Christ has given us the standard and we're trying to live after him, live for him. And um, we, we we have to get out of that cycle of just saying, well, I'm not as bad as this person over here. And, and that's what Paul was doing as he was writing this. He was the, the, he knew that different groups would try to say, hey, I'm not as bad as these people over here. You know, I'm not doing these acts. I may be thinking this stuff, but I'm not carrying it out. 
And um, I think that's something for all of us to really, really think through this week is the ways that we do that. And it happens and it happens so quickly. Um, and we, we have to figure out how to how to make that make that happen to, to, to correct those things. But a couple of things he said as it relates to the text deeply. And uh, I know our time is getting away from us, but, you know, he just said, man, this whole passage really <clears throat> gives us uh, support for the theological premise of total depravity. Right. And the the the, the Calvinist, the reform theology, one of those pillars is total depravity. And that total depravity is is fleshed out in verses um, um, essentially verses 10 through uh, through 20. Of Romans chapter three, um, um, nine through nine through twenty, uh, Romans chapter three, ten through twenty, we get this depraved state, and the depraved state is how sin affects us in so many different buckets, right? So he says sin affects our minds, right? You see that in verse eleven, no one understands, right? No one seeks God. Sin affects our willpower. Um, all have turned aside. They have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. It affects our tongue. Um, <clears throat> verse 13. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asses under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. It affects our feet. So because our because our mind is depraved and messed up because of sin, because our willpower has been affected and it keeps us from uh, doing the things we need to do to bring glory and honor to God for the most part. Um, it, it, our tongue is affected, so our speech is not um, you know, productive as it relates to worshiping God and honoring Him and doing the things that we need to do. And it affects our feet, where it says our feet are swift to shed blood. So, just in, in these verses, there's so much to unpack. And I thought we got some really, really good feedback in class. But it just shows you just how quickly uh, or how devastating sin is in our lives if we are not uh, constantly going to God, constantly being in the Word, constantly in prayer, constantly uh, checking uh, our thoughts and and being with other people to, to make sure that uh, we, we have folks who are holding us accountable and a lot of other things. Because it would affect your mind, it affects your willpower, it affects your tongue, it affects your feet. It affects everything in your life, is what Paul was saying uh, to his audience during his day, but also for us. Um, so I think that's something we, we definitely should check through. This week is searching, uh, just doing inventory on our lives to say, yeah, you know, I may be been a believer for some time. Are there some areas that I need to work on to make sure that I'm living in a way that uh, God is is in complete control of my life? Um, so some questions I, you know. That, that came up that I thought, you know, we should look at and then we could talk about it next week. Uh, but that the whole idea of no one does good, it seems impossible, right? No one. I mean, we all do good. Um, 
there's so many organizations, whether they're for-profit, non-profit organizations, uh, specifically in our city. Uh, people who do good things, whether they're feeding those who need food, um, doing different workshops for <clears throat> work training development, whether it's, um, you know, it's a lot of good stuff that's happening, mentoring, discipleship stuff. Um, but this idea, he says, no one, no one does good. Um, it's really, it's interesting. And what Paul is really trying to get to here is motivation. It's like our motives. Like, what are our motives when we're trying to do good things? Is it really to bring glory and honor to God? Is it to, is it self-serving? Like, what is it? What is it that um, drives us to serve in the areas that we serve, if we're serving? Is, is it really to, to help others and by helping them, trying to point them to Christ? Is it to have your name you know, recognized so you can get some kind of plaque or something at the end of the year? The motivation. <clears throat> and, and, and with this, you know, Mark says... Um, as he was teaching, he was like, you know, there are people who are non-believers who do good things, but because their motivations are not in the right place, it's different from people who are believers. Um, it's all about our motivation, all about our motivation. And we are living in such a way where our sin, the, the sin that is in our lives can also affect how we're motivated in the ways that we serve, and the way we do things. I, I just thought that was fascinating because when we read it, you know, everybody's in the class, we're like, oh my God, what am I do good stuff? Like, and so it's not to say, hey, don't do anything that's good. This is not to stifle uh, those things you're doing, but we have to make sure our motivation is that in everything I do, I'm trying to point people to the Lord so they can taste to see that He is good. Um, so anyway, I... I, I thought we had a great week this week and so grateful for our class and the great teachers that we do have there and uh, look forward to seeing you this weekend as we try to tackle Romans 3, 21 uh, through 31 as we kind of get some some hope. You know, the, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Uh, some good news here. But we see that Christ did on our behalf. And uh, look forward to walking through that with you. All right, 242. Have a great week. And uh, we will see you on Sunday.